Go to Judges chapter 15 today. I hope you're ready for the word because I'm ready to bring it and to uh, see what God has to say to us today. Judges 15, many of you who read your Bibles regularly understand this is the story of Samson. And I'm going to do an illustrated sermon this morning. If you want to know what the strongest man who ever lived looked like, I'm not going to put it up on the screen. Just look right here. Come on. Except for the hair. I don't have the long hair this morning. (laughs) He is an absolutely amazing character in the Bible. You see Samson's life. He had wonderful, godly parents. And they had a problem. The problem that they had, as we set this up and give you a little context about what we're going to talk about today, is he had wonderful parents, godly. They served the Lord. They had one problem. Uh, Samson's mom was barren. It simply meant she wasn't able to have kids. So she gets a visitation by an angel a couple of times, but the angel comes and says, you're going to bear a son, and God is going to anoint him mightily, but I want you to go ahead and tell him that they are in covenant, that they are in covenant, that there is a covenant, and it's called a Nazarite vow. Everybody say Nazarite vow. vow. Now, a Nazarite vow simply meant that Samson couldn't do three things. He couldn't eat of anything that was on the vine, which, of course, vines produce alcohol. So a lot of people just say, well, he wasn't allowed to, to drink alcohol. It wasn't just that. It was anything that was produced by a vine. He also was told as a Nazarite, don't cut your hair and don't cut your beard. And then third thing that he was told to do was do not touch anything that's unclean, which in Jewish culture, a dead body or something like that would have been considered unclean. So it wasn't just touching dead things. It was, it was really a priestly vow. It was really a, a vow of commitment to the Lord. And here's what I want to tell you first off this morning is Samson was given a moral framework by which to live by. In church, if the church is in need of anything in the day that we're living in, it is a moral framework. Listen, I want to tell everybody under the sound of my voice here this morning, whether you're just visiting for this Sunday or whether this is your church for the last 30 years, we in the day we're living in need to say there are some things that we are going to say no to Here's the reason. If you know what to say no to, you know what to say yes to. And what you see in Samson's life is he was given a moral framework. Why is it so important for us to have a moral framework in the things of God? Here's why. Because if you don't have a true north or you don't have a moral compass, you don't get into the word and understand these are the things that God says to do and these are the things that God says don't do, then what you will find in the world is the world will slowly pull you away from true north. The world will begin to slowly pull you away from the things of God. So it is so imperative and so important in the days that we're living in that we really almost look at Samson's life and understand from the very time he was conceived, he was given a moral framework. Now, what we find in Samson's life is much like any of us sitting here today. He would sometimes wake up and live by the moral framework, and then he would wake up and not live by the moral framework. He would wake up one day on fire for God, and then he would you know, wake up another day cold, and he would begin to drift between obedience to God and disobedience to God. So as we look at this story this morning, there's some things that I just want to point out in, the, in, this, in this passage of Scripture that I think are so important 
for where we are right now. What Samson was given were some non-negotiables in his life. Church, it's, it's absolutely imperative that we become people of non-negotiables, of some things that we hold to in the word that we say we are not going to negotiate off of this. Why is that important? Again, it's almost like a skeleton for your body. Non-negotiables, a moral compass, a, a things that morally God tells us that we're supposed to live is like a skeleton for our body. In other words, it upholds everything else. How many understand if you didn't have a skeleton, we'd all be in a huge mess this morning, all right? We need that. We do need that foundation. In other words, unless God guides you what we say no to, we will never know what to say yes to. So this, this story is interesting because, listen to me for just a second, none of the things that Samson was told to do by his parents were inherently sinful. It wasn't inherently sinful to eat raisins and grapes or from the vine. It wasn't inherently sinful to cut your hair. How many of you thank God for haircuts? I love a good haircut. I'm getting to the place where I need less and less of them. So I enjoy still being able to get my hair cut. But here's the thing we see in Samson's life. Just because something isn't inherently sinful, it still has a power to influence us. And you see this time after time after time. Samson was raised knowing that, and I want to tell you this, we look at Samson's power. Samson's power wasn't superhuman. It was supernatural. The power that Samson operated in wasn't superhuman. He wasn't superman. He was somebody that was anointed by the Holy Spirit, and it was the power of the Holy Spirit that would come upon him that would see him do the things that he did. And you see in Samson's life this. Samson was somebody that was prayed over and for. You see that he had great power, and you see that he had great purpose. And if I were to tell you this morning in Samson's life or in your life as you sit here for the next few minutes, what is the one, three things that you can do in your life right now today as you leave here? If you become a person of prayer, if you become a person of prayer, you become a person of spiritual power. And when you become a person of spiritual power, God will release purpose into your life. And here's what amazes me is the scripture we're going to look at here in just a minute. This absolutely amazes me. We're going to talk about this today and next Sunday. Because as I look at the life of Samson, you only find two places in his entire life that he prayed. Two times that Samson prayed. So we're going to look at those two prayers, the first one today and the second one next week. But I am 25 years into walking with the Lord and 20 years in full-time ministry. And in those 20 years of full-time ministry, look, I've, I've had the pleasure of even meeting ministers from all over the world because of our years uh, working on the mission field. So I've met pastors in Africa and pastors in Egypt and pastors in, in South America and pastors all over the world. And not only that, but for a period of time in our ministry, one of our main goals and one of the main things we had to do was just travel, speak at churches, recruit teams to go on the mission field during the summertime months so we could do the ministry that we were a part of. And it, it, I've, I've met some really wonderful leaders and I've met some not-so-wonderful leaders. And I remember during a time in my life when I began to just kind of question and ask, I'm like, Lord, 
Have you ever gotten around people and you just realize quickly that they're the real deal? Anybody? Or have you ever got around people and you realize pretty quickly they're very superficial? And that's not to knock anybody, but I, I began to question and ask the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm around spiritual leaders. I'm around pastors and evangelists and all across the board for many years around many different people. And what I found about those people who had a very, they, they just had a very deep, loving relationship with the Lord that translated into a very deep, loving relationship with other people. And the one thing that I kept coming back to was they had a deep prayer life. Their prayer life was very developed. And as we look at the, the moral compass that Samson had that he deviated from, I always come back and ask myself, what was it that he, I mean, you look all through. The, one of the first instances that we find of him kind of deviating, and it says right there in the scripture that he was visiting the vineyards of Timnah. Well, I've just explained to you that he's not supposed to be with in, in, in anything from the vine. So what are you doing in a vineyard? If you're not supposed to have anything from the vine, you, you look at his life and you see how he began to drift away. And I thought of some great men of God throughout the years that I've read about and that I've read the books of and some of the quotes from them. And uh, let me find them here real quick. John Bunyan said this. He wrote the great book Pilgrim's Progress. And here's what he said. He who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day in reference to prayer. George Mueller, which was one of the first books that I read as a young Christian because my grandfather had read it, and I was, I was taking books off of his bookshelf and, and taking them home, bringing them back. And I was so impressed with George Mueller because he saw such extraordinary answers to prayer throughout his life. And he was asked one time, how much time do you spend praying? And he said, I spend hours every day, but I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray when I walk. I pray when I lie down. And I pray when I arose, and the answers are always coming. What he was trying to teach there is we don't always have to be locked away in a room, but we can live in the spirit of prayer. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this, If I neglect prayer but a single day, I should lose but a great deal of the fire of my faith. Everybody say prayer. prayer. I heard a story one time that illustrates this point. Is a young man growing up in this house, and it was before they had indoor plumbing and before they had electricity and things like this. This man absolutely loved to go to the well that was in the backyard of this house that they lived in as a family. And it was so cool, and it was so refreshing, so good to get in the, into this well and, and draw water out of it. And they did finally get indoor plumbing, and they did finally get electricity. And then shortly they renovated the house. They sold it and moved away. Years later, as a successful businessman, this man said, I want to go back and buy that house. I'm going to you know, fix it up and live in it. And when he bought it and arrived, he went directly to the backyard, and he went to the well, and he began to try to draw something out of it, but it was barren and empty. And he thought, man, what, what's going on? So he began to inquire of his neighbors and talk to his neighbors and try to find out because he remembered as a young boy, even in droughts and even in times there weren't, wasn't any rain and anything really going on, this well still produced cool, fresh water. And what he found out by talking to some of his neighbors was simply this. The well was fed by underground streamlets, and here's what they told him. They said, if you don't go daily and draw out of it, 
it doesn't fill itself back up. And church, what we see in the life of Samson, in my opinion, as we study this the next two weeks, is he was somebody that went off course. God would come on him in a supernatural way and rescue him from the the problem he was having and the issue he was facing right there, enemies defeated or things like that. But we also see that he was not somebody that kept a good, constant prayer life. Everybody say prayer. Prayer is so important, so incredibly important. So let's read our scripture today. If you're there in in Judges 15, we're going to look down here at verse 18. Judges 15, 18. If you're there, say amen. Amen. I love to hear those pages turning, by the way. If you had to turn your phone on, that's cool too. I use my phone all the time. There's something wonderful about having the written word of God in your hands. It's powerful. Verse 18 says this, Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lahai, and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned, and he revived. So the spring was called en and it is still there in Lehi. Father, for these next few minutes, God, as we seek you, as we endeavor to hear your word to our heart, Father, I pray today that the anointing of God would be present, that, Lord, you would anoint each ear and each heart and each eye to see a revelation of you and what you want to say to us today. Father, as always, I ask for the help of the Holy Spirit that nothing said of Jason Hanks would go forth, but only what is being uttered by the voice of the Holy Spirit would go into the hearts of the people and cause fruit to come forth in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. I want you to think about that story I just told as we read this passage. The well was dry because it had not gotten a flow of water to it and out of it. In church, If we are to be anything in the days we're living in, we are to be rivers of living water. We are to be those who people can come to and experience water. And what you see in Samson's life right here is this is the first time recorded in Scripture that he actually prayed and lifted up his voice. You only see him praying twice. Only twice recorded in Scripture can you find him praying. The strongest man could defeat his enemies, could see victory, could see these incredible things happen. Another time there was a lion that came near him and he was walking to a place, again, that he really shouldn't have been going even though he was with his parents. The lion comes out and he defeats the lion, sees this great victory, doesn't tell anybody. He's going back to the same town later on and passing by and as he looks down where the lion is, now remember, He's not supposed to touch anything unclean, which would have been anything that was dead. And he sees the lion, and there's honey that is now formed inside the lion through bees visiting it and and putting honey. Isn't it just like the devil to put something sweet (laughs) in something that we know we shouldn't have? Come on, somebody. You never notice that about the enemy? He doesn't make sin look like what the ultimate result is. He always makes it look good at the place that you're standing in right then. And you see all throughout Samson's life, he usually ended up in a place that God had not intended for him 
to be in. And we see this. And here is the same, the prayer we just read is a place that he ends up where it's dry, it's barren, it's difficult, there's no water flowing. And here's what the context is. The victory that he experienced, he's out in the wilderness. He's out in, again, a place where there is no water. And as I began to study this and pray about it and think about it, some things immediately kind of came to my attention. Number one, Samson, what are you doing out there to begin with? And number two, nobody goes into enemy territory and doesn't bring along a spear or a sword, or a bow and arrow, or even a knife, or anything, because the context of this story is he's out in the wilderness, he's out in enemy territory, and what happens in the previous verses right before this is he looks up, and he's outnumbered a thousand to one. How many knows that is not good odds? That's almost like the horse that won the Kentucky Derby a few weeks ago, 80 to one. I'm not a gambling man, but boy, <laughs> Woo. 80 to 1. So this is more than 80 to 1. It's 1,000 to 1. And he, he comes up and he sees the enemy coming. And nobody that fights like Samson fights would not have brought what it was that he needed in that instance in order to win the victory. And I came to just tell you something this morning. As a matter of fact, I, I came to talk to two groups of people. And the first group of people that I want to talk to, because I see two things in this story that I think will apply to either your life now or your life in the future, but I think this will help you, is when you're faced with odds that seem like, I don't know what I'm going to do, sometimes you'll find something in your hand that wasn't meant to win the victory. In other words, have you ever been in a fight and it seems like you're outnumbered by the enemy and when you look down it seems like it's just not enough? You've never been there? What I have in my hand is not enough to defeat the enemy. But can I tell you, when God comes on you by his Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what it looks like in your hand. It matters what God is doing in your life and in your heart in that moment. And I came to tell you this morning, even if the odds were 1,000 to 1, 10,000 to 1, it says when he shook himself and did what? He began to lift his voice to the Lord. I came to tell a group of people here today, it may seem like you're surrounded and it may seem like you're, you're outwitted by the enemy, but can I tell you, congratulations for just keep on fighting. Amen. It may seem hopeless. It may seem like nothing could come of this, but can I tell you this morning, if you just keep fighting, it doesn't matter what is in your hand. It's not a spear. It's not a sword. It's not a bow and arrow. It's not any of those things. But when God comes on it, it can be something that God can use in order to win a victory. So congratulations for just not giving up. Congratulations for just keep getting up every day and saying, God, yesterday may not have been the day that I wanted it to be, but God, today I believe that you're fighting my battles. God, I believe that you're going before me and you're fixing things. Samson even found himself in a place that, in my opinion, he never should have been in in the first place because who goes out into the desert with no water and no sword and no spear and he's on enemy territory? Can I tell you, we are good at making messes and God is really good at making miracles even when we make the mess because out of the mess, God can bring a miracle. But you got to find something around you. Listen, 
It may not look like it could win a victory, <laughs> but it doesn't matter what's in here. In other words, have you ever found yourself where what you had just seemed lacking? Yeah. You lack the money. You lack the connections for your business. You lack this in your life, and you lack that in your life. Can I tell you, when God comes on you, there is no lack. Just like in Samson's life that we see here, it wasn't about what was in his hand. It was about the God that was in his life and anointing him. Why? Because he had been in covenant with God from his very womb. And we see this in his life. He's out in a place. But I find this prayer amazing for this reason. Even when he had won the victory, even when he had slain all the enemies, how many love victory? I do, man. I love to finally get that thing that I've been crying out and praying for. And the place that I've found myself in for the last few months is an unusual place for me. And it, I didn't know it was unusual until I come to a place where, and, and I have to be honest and tell you, a lot of the times that I've cried out to God, I have seen the victory within even weeks or a couple months or even a short period of time. How many have been praying and crying out to God for something for even months and years and you still, I want to encourage you today, keep fighting the fight of faith because he sees this great victory and you think that would maybe be enough for him to say, hey, I've won, I've got the victory. But there's something in this prayer that I want to point out this morning that it wasn't about the victory because, listen, you can win. If, if the last couple years have taught us anything as a church, it's that we can begin to see victories, but we're still tired. <laughs> he saw the victory. He saw this great victory of God, a thousand to one. He slays them all. And what does he say in this prayer? He said, God, I'm thirsty. God, the victory was great. And I came to tell you this morning, there's two groups of people. You are in a fight. It seems like you're outnumbered. What in your hand does not seem like it's sufficient to win the victory? And even in the midst of winning the victory, when I see the fruition of the prayers that I've prayed and the, and the things that I've poured out my heart to God, when I see that fruition, there's still something deeper because, church, I am not just about celebrating the victories. I get to the place where I understand that I don't just don't need a victory. I need God. He said, I'm thirsty. Do I have any thirsty people in the house this morning? Man, this world can just take it out of you, can it? It can. You say, Pastor, I've come here for maybe a few months, and it seems like you're always trying to encourage people because we are overwhelmed and under-encouraged. I'm telling you, we are. Everybody that you run into on a weekly, daily basis, they're carrying heavy burdens. But Jesus said that his burden is not heavy, it's light. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean life doesn't get heavy at times. It means that when you finally, and this is his first prayer. His first prayer is that I am thirsty. And it's so important to see this, not in relation to God coming on him and God giving the victory, but in relation to understanding that even though that you sometimes get into a mess, if you're truly transparent this morning and just, that's one group of people, and it may be a handful of people here this morning, but you just kind of say, Pastor, I'm thirsty. Pastor, I need something from God. And I love the fact in the prayer that it wasn't about what he lacked. It wasn't about fighting with something that wasn't a fighting tool. It's when God finally came and said, you're thirsty. In other words, if I could teach you anything as a pastor, is that when you do feel that way, 
you don't need to find a source from somewhere else. You need to cry out to God. That's what the prayer is. It's a cry. It's a heart cry. God, the victory is great, but there's something more that I need. And when you set your heart and mind to crying out to God with all your heart, soul, strength, here's what he did. It says he, he, he broke open a hollow place. What a miracle. You read, I read, I've read right past that many times in my life just reading through the Bible or reading that passage of Scripture. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Here's what I want to tell you. It's in the barren, hollow place, that, and it says that he will bring a revival in your life. Yes. It's in that place where you feel like, God, I don't have anything to even add to this. I don't have anything to give, and it was out of a hollow place. This thirsty, big, strong, long-haired man just won a victory, but he cries out of an empty place. Church, you can be seeing victories in your life, but still be hollow on the inside. You can be winning victories that you give God praise for. Yeah, I got the promotion at work. Oh, I, you know, my, my child came to the Lord, and they're learning of the Lord. Oh, whatever it could be this morning, you see the victory, but there's still something empty, a hollow place, a dry place, a wilderness place. Here's what I want to point out. You can't disqualify where revival comes from in your life. It may come from a hollow place, the hard place, the empty place. Here's, what, here's why. God allows the thirst to remind us the jawbone only worked because of him. I'll say it again. God gives us the thirst to remind us the jawbone only worked because he was in it. And I think we can become successful and victorious and we begin to think, and we begin to think that it was the jawbone that won, but I kind of tell you this morning, it's God in it that wins the victory. When you get thirsty, it's a reminder. The only reason I, I was able to do that with the jawbone was I shook myself and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me. You get thirsty in the spiritual to remind you that God did it in the, in the spirit. Amen? Amen? You get thirsty in your spiritual life because God is reminding you that it's not about the victory, it's about relationship with him. That's what he's reminding Samson. Samson, I didn't just make you who you are and give you a moral framework and give you the parents that I gave you and, and did all these things in your life just simply so you could go and feel like big bad Samson. It was always to connect you to the living water. So that applies to some folks in the house this morning. I just want to congratulate you for keep fighting. Keep fighting. Everybody say keep fighting. Because there is victory. But there's another side of this story. Somebody say the other side. You see, you can't just read the Bible and read the Bible. The Bible wasn't written so there would be a certain word count that we have. When you see something in the Bible, it should always stop and say, why is that there? And why did this play out the way that it played out? And this is just such an instance because not only are some of you feel like that what's in your hand is lacking to win a victory, and I just came to tell you, keep fighting because when the Holy Spirit finally breaks through, he's breaking through. And he'll do it. But let that breakthrough not let you wander back into a wilderness. <laughs> let it create a thirst for the one who broke through for you. But there's another group that's here today. And there's always meaning that if you don't stop and just say, what's that there for? 
So when you see stuff that is happening in Samson's life, we can take that as a point of prayer and learn something from it and maybe even avoid some things in our life that God's warning us about. So let me clue you in. It didn't end well for Samson, right? If you know the end of the story, he is captured because he just—he never could quit. You know what I see in Samson's life? He got in trouble with this right here. How many get in trouble with this? I'm pointing at my mouth. Both instances with his wives. Delilah wasn't his wife, but both instances they were, come on, come on, tell me, tell me, tell me. His first wife kept on him, cried for seven days. How many men know your wife cries for seven days? You're going to do whatever she wants you to do. I am. Please quit crying. I'll do it. But here we just find him thirsty and we see his first prayer. And here's what I see. We see a guy who's in a place that makes absolutely no sense to me. Why does it not make sense to me? Again, it's a barren place. It's a dry place. And it's a place that he goes off into without a spear, without a sword, and without anything else. And I ask myself, Samson, why would you let the enemy pin you into a place like this? Why do you let yourself get into that situation from the start? And as I studied it, I thought back over my life where I got myself into situations that I never should have been in and and woke up and looked around and all of a sudden I'm surrounded by the enemy. Why did he get into the place he was in? Because Samson, you didn't pray about it in the first place. This is the first time you recorded that he actually prayed and asked God for something. And if we're going to be asking God for anything not to get in the place where we're surrounded by the enemy, stop and ask God what it is you're supposed to do in the situation that you're in. Does that make sense? He hadn't prayed. I forgot that I used to say this quite often. I've never said it here, but somebody posting something on Facebook reminded me. I used to say this often when I preached at the church I came from. Have you prayed five minutes about it? I want that. If nothing else sticks in your heart this morning, I want that to stick. Samson wouldn't have been in the position he would if he would have prayed and listened to what the Holy Spirit was saying to him. Young people here that are graduating high school, we've got young ones moving up to youth group, which is a whole other stage of life as they move into junior high and move on up into greater temptations and greater battles and they're, you're, you as a parent I mean you have to you even have to look at, at, at Samson's parents and just think man they had to be really disappointed in some of the situations that he got himself into right and that, that, that has all of its but listen to me young people if you will put it to prayer God will show you what to do God will absolutely show you what to do. And, and here's how I kind of see Samson, because I've gotten this way before. You've won some victories. I went near the vineyard, and you know what? Nothing really happened. Are you, are you tracking with me? I touched the dead line because I really wanted some of that honey. Nothing really happened. Listen, don't mistake God's mercy for his blessing. Because God is very merciful, but there are times that God will go ahead and let you wander off into the desert and get surrounded by the enemy to teach you a lesson that the thirst that you have isn't found in victory. And also this, of all the things, listen to me for five minutes and I'm going to close. Of all the things that he could have found to pick up, he finds the jawbone of a donkey. 
I won't render it how the King James renders it. <laughs> he finds a jawbone of a donkey. And I just simply ask myself, what is the jawbone of a donkey even doing out in the middle of the wilderness and the desert? I'll tell you why. And there's two groups of people. There's some that are fighting with all your heart and you feel like what's in your hand isn't, isn't good enough to win the victory. Can I tell you with the Holy Spirit it's good enough? But there's a second group of people that this comes by way of a warning in Samson's life that we can heed to because if there's one thing that we all universally know about donkeys is they are stubborn as a donkey. They're stubborn. The reason that there was a jawbone, there's nothing accidental in the word of God. The reason that there was a jawbone there for him to pick up, and lahai literally means jawbone, and most commentators and scholars agree that this was named that well before Samson ever arrived on the scene. And church, it sometimes tells us that if what's in your hand doesn't make sense, it's a map to what God is trying to tell you, you need to pray about it. Are you listening to your pastor today? Because the reason that there was a jawbone out in the middle of a deserted place, a place without any water, is because the donkey at some point, I mean, I I grew up around donkeys because my best friend growing up had a a pasture with donkeys and goats and sheep and all these kind of things. And man, those, those sheep would come right over to the fence and I'd feed them something and kind of pat them on the head. And other times, I'd, try, I'd get the donkeys. I'd have a carrot in my hand. and They would not come. Why? Because they were so stubborn. Church, stubbornness in my life to the things of God that he's speaking to me, get me into a dry place where there is no water, and you're surrounded by the enemy. It's called Lahai because it was called the place of the jawbone. Why is there a donkey dead out there? Why'd the donkey die? I'll tell you why. He wouldn't listen. (laughs) And he cast off restraint. And he broke free from something that was trying to hold him back from his demise. So many people look at Christianity and look at walking with the Lord. And they look at it and they say, look at all the things that I don't get to do. Can I tell you, God puts up the fences of his word in our life so that we can be protected and not restrained. He's protecting you from getting yourself into a wilderness and into a place where you're going to end up like an old stubborn donkey. And God is trying to get through to Samson. Samson, you keep breaking loose. You keep going into areas you aren't supposed to be in. Hanging out with people you're not supposed to be around. Samson, you don't realize it, but you are in a downward spiral. Samson, your life is a mess. Samson, you've looked up and you are outnumbered. Samson, I honor your mom and dad's prayers, so shake yourself And mom and dad's prayers are going to rescue you again. How many are thankful for the prayers of mom and dad and grandma and grandpa? Because you have found yourself in a deserted place. You have found yourself in a place where you're outnumbered. And I promise you that God is honoring the covenant. God is honoring the prayers. But can I encourage you, quit being stubborn and getting yourself into places you shouldn't be, Samson. But listen, he comes to the other side of the story And now he's thirsty. Everybody say thirsty. Thirsty. He's in a place where stubborn things go to die. 
God's trying to get Samson's attention. He's trying to tell him what he's trying to tell us in the season that you may be in. Because, honey, I tell you, if you're not, at some point you will be. And he's trying to teach him this. Samson, it's not that that's going to sustain you. It's me that's going to sustain you. Samson, it's not the jawbone that's going to help you. It is me that is going to win the victory. If you, you're going to need me, Samson, if you're going to survive. You're going to need me if you're ever going to feel strong again. You're going to need me. And the thirst was there because God was pointing him to a very simple revelation that I want you to have today is that God makes himself available when we're thirsty and we cry out to him. He will pour out on you. If what is in your hand is not enough, it's probably a map to what God is trying to show you. You know what God wants to do today? He wants to visit those stubborn places in your life. Am I the only one with stubborn places? Come on, help me out this morning. Thank you. The Bible says stubbornness is like idolatry. That's why God won't stand for it. It's any time that we elevate ourselves above his presence, we're wrong. God wants to visit those stubborn places and break some things out of our life, not because he's trying to confine us. He's trying to protect us. And God wants us to understand that he's trying to bring a victory, not on the outside, but the victory he's trying to bring to many people in this room today is victory on the inside. Because I have found that when I get the victory in here, it is just a matter of time till you see the victory out there. It's, it, it's saying, God, I see what you're doing, but I am so thirsty for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no sustenance, there is no water, God, my soul longs for you. Samson was somebody that you could see kept getting himself off into places he shouldn't be. And his first prayer is amazing because it's, I thirst. God is a very present help in times of our trouble. God has made himself available by the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you're in covenant, when you are blood washed, when you have repented of your sins, when you're walking with him, every single day of your life, we can ask him for that living water. But here it is. It comes through having a prayer life. It comes through praying and getting intimate. See, I don't want to be like a Samson that has to get myself into a place where I've got to continually shake myself and God, please come on me again. I want to walk with him all the time. And here's why. Here's why. Listen to me. Here's why. Because if Samson would have been a prayer person of of prayer, and again, I'm not talking about, you know, oh, pastor, you want me to shut the door and go pray four hours every morning. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living a lifestyle that you're in connection with him all throughout your day. It's possible. And here's why. Because if he would have had that type of relationship with the Lord, the Lord would have said, Samson, there's a vineyard up ahead. Why don't we go around the other way? Samson, the lion that I gave you the victory to kill. Look at times in the Bible just, just look up these two words, turned aside. 
so many times, and they turned aside. You see, God's got you on a path of prayer and power and purpose. And it's when we get turned aside to something the enemy's using to distract us, and when we turn aside is when we get into a bad place where we're, we're off the path. Because when you're walking with the Holy Spirit, I promise you, he will guide you and lead you and keep you from going down the wrong way. Samson was out in the middle of nowhere with no water and no weapon for no other reason besides we find the first time he prays is after God had to supernaturally deliver him. And listen, I don't want us to be a church or a people of God of emergency prayers. Oh, I've done it. Oh, boy, I've done it many times in my life. God, God. And there's those things that come out of nowhere that just blindside you that you cry out to God in that moment. You didn't see it coming. He did. He knew exactly where Samson was and knew exactly that Samson shouldn't have necessarily been there. And God gave him a victory. Stand with me this morning. Alexis, if you'd come, please. Thank you, Jesus. So we'll do a second prayer next week, but this first prayer was was heartfelt, I believe, and it was powerful because he just said, God, I appreciate the victory, but I am thirsty. And it was a hollow place. It was a it was a place that never I think God was saying, Samson, you think that jawbone and winning that victory was a big thing for me? Watch me shake the earth and that water begin. Oh, I'm speaking from the Holy Spirit, not just to you individually in your life, but you look around the United States of America and you see barrenness and you see darkness and you look, you see something that you think living water could never flow from. Watch God move. Watch God shake the earth. And here, those who are praying and those who are seeking and those who are pressing in are going to see living water, water flow out of that that will quench your thirst. Many of you here under the sound of my voice, you wonder why you walk through life so defeated and so so restless with anything of the world because the things of the world were never meant to satisfy you. It's Him. It's the song that we just sang a few minutes ago. Lord, you are more precious than anything else in my life. When you get to that place, then living water begins to flow. And it's a daily communion with him. And that daily communion will give you a a check in your spirit and say, hey, this is how you should pray for this person. This is the direction you should go in your business. This is where you should go in your life. And it all is generated by our prayer life. So if we could hit our altar call lights for just a minute. As she softly plays, this is, this is how the Lord directed me yesterday to end this service. There's two groups of people, and the first group, you just feel like, what is in my hand? There's no way God could win a victory. And the second group of people are people where God wants to visit that stubborn place where you've just kind of stubbornly dug in your heels like a donkey. I've been a donkey many times in my life, many. I'm preaching to the choir right now as I talk to you. But I feel like the Holy Spirit's in this room for two groups of people. You don't feel like you've got enough, and the Holy Spirit just wants you to come to this altar, and we're going to pray together. Nobody's going to lay hands on you individually, so if you are on our prayer team, just stay where you're at for now. But I want you to come up here and do two things. If you feel like, man, I'm, 
I'm just tired of fighting and I need a drink from the living water. I want you to come up. Second, people, is you've got something stubborn that the Holy Spirit has laid his finger on this morning. And these altars are open for these next few minutes. Just come lay it down to the Lord and let's all cry out to him together. Altars are open. Come up here. I know God's dealing with people. I know he is. So don't ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. You just begin to come up here around this altar. I tell you what, just lift those hands out in front of you because that's always my symbol to God that that's my altar right here. This is my surrender. This is my altar when I put my hands out in front of him. And it's just those those stubborn places. Those stubborn places, y'all. Those places that we just... We just say, God, I know I've wandered off. God, I know I've I've veered off in this area. Can I tell you what he wants to do? God wants to bless you. God wants to lead you. God wants to guide you. Just lift your hands and let him pour out on you. He is. He is right here at this altar so strong. Those of you who are in the fight and you're weary, and you feel like, Lord, I don't know how the answer is going to come. Can I tell you? Just find what you can. That's a word for somebody that's up here right now. God said he's already placed it in your hand. Don't be afraid to fight with it. It may seem like it's lacking, but don't be afraid to fight with it. You parents who are in a battle, just a fierce battle over the souls of your children, the word of the Lord says keep fighting, keep praying, keep pressing in. Keep believing God is going to do his work in their life. Grandkids, whatever you're praying for, I know you don't see it now, but God's encouraging you. You don't have to see it. See, my gratitude lifted up to God is for the answer has already come. Faith is when you don't see the answer yet and you can still celebrate the victory. I'm right there with you in faith today. Jesus. Jesus. Father, the first place we want to visit today is those who came up here, Lord, because they just need strength. Father is the pastor of this church. and Lord, being led by the Holy Spirit in this moment, Father, I just pray strength would fall on every single person that answered today and said, I just, Lord, I just need a drink of water. I need your spirit to be poured out in unbridled measure, that hollow place, that empty place, that place where, God, it seems like nothing could come out of it. Father, I pray it would be broken open today in Jesus' name and the precious Holy Spirit would just be poured out. We're so thirsty, God. We're so thirsty for the genuine, for the real, for you. That no matter what we face in life, God, you are with us and you walk with us and you strengthen us and you answer even when we get ourselves, Lord, into a pickle that is our own fault, God. Father, for those who are just continuing to cling in faith and grab hold of the hem of your garment in desperation, Father, even for those right now that are sick in their physical bodies, God, I pray healing. In Jesus' name, it seems like no water of healing is flowing. Let that water of healing flow right now, God. 
And Father, for those like myself that want to lay down stubbornness before you, God, we lay it down. We ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for for making our problem our idol. (laughs) Forgive us for making our own will our idol. But Lord, we humbly submit everything to you and lay aside stubbornness. And God, we ask you today that living water be poured out upon that place. God, we recommit to a moral framework, God, today that says there are some non-negotiables in our lives. That as the people of God, there is a stand that we can and should and will take of this is the word of God and we're going to stand on it, God, today. Because we know when we're standing on your holy word, we have all of heaven at our back. So, Father, today we thank you, we praise you, and we glorify you that it's out of that rock, Jesus, where the water flows, the spiritual rock. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for your water. Thank you, Lord, for life and life abundantly, Father, today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I bless the family of God at Christian Center Church today. Father, I pray they would be blessed going in and blessed going out. That, Father, they would be blessed with health and blessed with the good things of the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you that you've brought us into your house and you've brought us into the kingdom for such a time as this. Lord, as many are beginning to go off to other things this summer, whether it be traveling or, Lord, whether it be moving for a period and then coming back in the fall. Father, we pray your blessings upon them of protection, of health, that, God, you would they would draw so near to you that, Lord, they would come back rejuvenated and on fire, God. Father, bless the people of God. May they dwell under the shadow of your wings and may your face shine upon them. And may you give them peace and may you give them rest. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Prayer meeting tomorrow night at 6.30 if you're able to come. And uh, let's let's put practice to what we just preached. Amen.